This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week, our podcast is brought to you by BHP. Reducing greenhouse gas emissions in the production of copper is critical. That's why BHP has committed to solar, wind and battery agreements to help power their copper mine at Olympic Dam in South Australia. It's happening now at BHP. Visit bhp.com critical to find out more. Welcome to The Year Ahead, our hit the ground running New Year podcast series where we chat to our friends in news about what they've got their eye on this year and in true squiz form, we get their recommendations. Today's is a podcast one that's going to solve all your wardrobe problems. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. Welcome Lauren Sams. Hello. Welcome to the podcast that you listen to quite regularly. I listen every single day and Saturday. <laughs> You're the fashion editor at the Australian Financial Review. We'll better introduce you properly. You report on the business of global and local fashion. Best job in media, do you reckon? It's a lot of fun. I definitely have a lot of fun. Yeah, it is a pretty good job. I'm very lucky. And I love the scope of your role too. So you do get the really pointy end bits about what's happening in big business, but also your areas of interest. I do. Yeah, I get to interview lots of kind of amazing people doing lots of cool things, creative people, yeah. um, up to sort of fashion CEOs, you know, CEO of Chanel and, and Dior and, and those kinds of people. It's pretty interesting. We're going to talk about 2024. Mm. But just picking up on that, favourite interview this year? What stands out for you? Oh, favourite interview this year. Hmm. Gosh. What did we recommend the other day, the Kayla? It's seen us. It's seen us one. Yeah. Really liked that. Yeah. Kayla, uh, I interviewed Kayla for um, a section that we have at the Financial Review called Lunch with the AFR. And uh, I think she was really ready to talk about exiting her business, um, which – she's now bought back, back in into. Again. Yeah, good on her. Uh, she was really ready to talk about the end of that and what had led to uh, her, her selling the business. Um, but I think looking back, now that I know that she's bought the business back again, uh, looking back on our interview, she seemed a little itchy and okay. restless mm. and yeah, she I didn't had stuff she couldn't say. I think so. Mm. Yeah, there were things in the works that uh, were not ready for public consumption yet. Not with the financial review. Yeah, anyway. certainly not with us. But uh, yeah, looking back, she was telling me a little bit about how she was bored um, mm. and she didn't quite have enough to do. Mm. And now I think she does have enough to I do. Think she'll be fairly <laughs> busy. I've just, I've just caused that to be your favourite. Was it actually your favourite? It was we, actually, going with that? it was really interesting. The funniest thing about that interview was Kayla is quite, um, she's quite well known for her really her love of her family she's Mm. very close with everyone in her family and so I did the interview in Adelaide where she lives and uh, I I got to the restaurant that uh, she had you know part of the conceit of lunch with the AFR is that the subject chooses the restaurant so I got to the restaurant and I said oh you know I'm here for the lunch and you know this is the booking name and the man said okay we've got you for 11 people over here and I said no no no, 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 just two people. And he said, no, it's definitely 11 people. And I thought, oh, my gosh, she's invited her she whole family <laughs> to lunch. It turned out it was a booking mistake and it was a completely different <laughs> Kayla who had actually booked 11 people for lunch that day. But I had this moment of how am I going to get this big Greek family this? out of this interview? But anyway, she was a great interview. She was really – I had interviewed her many, many years before. Um, she was very candid um, and much more relaxed. 
guest in this interview that that we did. Um, Favourite interview was with Tom Parker Bowles, who is the Queen's son. Mm. And a critic. And a food critic. Yeah. yeah. He's the food critic at the Mail on Sunday. Yeah. Um, a position that he's had for almost two decades, I think. Very relaxed. Um, you know, I, I interview a lot of people and most of the time I get a set of instructions. I get, you know, you have seven to ten minutes with this person. Mm. Please send me the questions in advance. I had none of that with him. He sent me his WhatsApp number, no oh, wow. publicist on the line, called him and we just had a great chat about food and food trends. Um, like me, he hates share plates. So we got off you know, <laughs> to a flying start. That's um, a controversial topic, share plates or no share plates. Oh God, I could talk forever. <laughs> and uh, his number is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll send it to you afterwards. Yeah, you'll have a, feedback. You will have a good chat with queen, him. For the queen, I'm yeah. sure. We'll <laughs> put a link to both of those interviews in people's episode notes if they want to check them out. For anyone who doesn't know who we're talking about when we talk about Kayla, she's obviously the founder of Sweat, yes. the big fitness app. So I just wanted to wrap that in a neat bundle before we move on. Well Thank done. you, Kate. Let's talk about news. Yes. Let's talk about news. Let's talk about 2023 first. The story that really stuck with you. The story that stuck with me from 2023 was the partial sale of Zimmerman. Mm. So Zimmerman is an Australian fashion brand that I think most people would be quite familiar with. Um, it started at the Paddington Markets in 1991, two sisters, Nikki and Simone Zimmerman, and they have created something of a, a juggernaut mm. um, in Australian fashion, something that we really haven't seen before. They started uh, they started actually with a lot of denim, then they moved into swimwear, and now they're really known for resort wear. And yeah. even if you don't know, if you think you don't know Zimmerman, you know Zimmerman. It's recognisable. It's very identifiable. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. They have had transactions in the past where they've had partial sales, but this year was particularly interesting. Uh, they sold a partial stake to an American private equity firm called Advent International uh, and that transaction uh, valued the business at $1.75 billion. Yeah, Which is a record, right? That was, I remember that. That was such brand. a record. It yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. It extraordinary. says a lot. It is extraordinary. It says a lot about the local fashion industry and the potential there for yeah, so further investment. Yeah, so what does investment. that mean? Uh, investors like this American crew now going, oh, what's happening in Australia? Are they now tapping Australian design? I think we will start to see more and more of that. We're already seeing it in the beauty space. Mm. So Bondi Sands mm. um, had sold to um, KO Brands, which is a uh, Japanese skincare brand. They own things like Biore. Um, so they sold in August this year. Um, and then, you know, you've got other businesses like Aesop, which was not Australian when it had its transaction earlier this year, but um, it was born in Melbourne. It, originally Australian. It's yeah. originally Australian. It was sold to L'Oreal for an extraordinary amount. And I think that says a lot about, yeah, just the potential that we have here in Australia. We have a lot of talent. Like there's a there's a real startup culture, I think, a lot of um, a sense of hustling and energy in our creative businesses. Um, and I think there's a sense globally that if you can make it here with a smaller population, you can make it anywhere. Um, Interesting. Any brands to watch out for? I would be looking out for age. Yeah. 
Good Sir AJE for anyone who's AJE and that is how you pronounce it. Yeah. Um, I, I'm actually learning so much about how to pronounce the names of some of these brands. Aesop <laughs> is always that one I never know how to say it. Yeah. I think it, that one's it? a little interchangeable. Okay. Aesop. 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 Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I think yep. that's okay. Um, <laughs> I would be looking at Sir the label. Yep. Um, but even, you know, I'd be looking at. Brands like Rebecca Valance are doing very well internationally. They already have a financial partner, but I can see big things happening for a brand like that. And these are brands that have been around for a long time. It's not like they've just sort of entered the market. They put up a few Instagram posts and away they go. Like this is long, a long investment in a brand for a really long time. Yeah. Like the story of Zimmerman. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Zimmerman is over 30 years old. It has proven itself time and time again. It's shown at New York Fashion Week. It's shown at Paris Fashion Week. Uh, it's got stores, you know, pretty much everywhere and it's got this loyal but growing fan base. So they've really done a lot of things right and I think that, yeah, this fresh investment, I can see them going into things like cosmetics, mm. perfume, other things like that. That's what these brands do, right? They yeah. extend that's they right. take that brand, that core that yeah. people love and extend it into other products. Yeah. So exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It works more. sometimes, sometimes it doesn't work. We will see. <laughs> That's right. But that is, I mean, we're already talking about 2024. That is one of your news predictions is to watch some of these brands and watch the news around them and watch how they grow from here. Yeah. On the polar opposite end of the spectrum is fast fashion. Mm. Lauren, yeah. your thoughts? Well, there is a real, um, no, I wouldn't say resurgence. I think fast fashion, you know, as long as we've had it, has always has been popular because for very obvious and understandable reasons. You know, it's inexpensive, it's very accessible, um, and it's trend driven. So you know, you see something in a magazine or on social media, and you can buy it, and it's you know, it, it's affordable. It, it's there for you. I think that what we're seeing now is such an acceleration of fast fashion that it there must there must be a tipping point I was gonna say yeah <laughs> so just explain that a bit is that social media that has things on hyperspeed that we're just surfacing things more quickly and they go viral and then yeah they're gone yeah particularly TikTok is just so quick and things can be um trends for a second and then you know move on so so quickly um you know I think back to like the beginning of this year and there was this like coastal grandma trend yeah what's that can I ke- can we keep that I love that trend. I know that was actually quite a good <laughs> that one that was my favorite trend it's yeah. classic is it already over it oh it was over like oh what? It was 12 months ago. Can I keep it? Keep it. (laughs) But I remember even writing at the start of this year that I predicted that um, Wednesday Adams would be sort of Mm. the big Halloween trend this year for girls because my kids were so into it. It was such a big sort of. That came and went quickly. It did. But it was huge at the time. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't really see any Wednesday Adams come October, you know, and I think that show was released in December or January. Things just, yeah, they cycle really quickly. Fast fashion used to be defined sort of by the Zara model, which at the time was best in class. And I I use that term loosely, but (laughs) the idea was that the speed to market was incredible. Mm. So, you know, Zara would yeah. look at what was coming down the runway and they would have those, you know, you similar clothes yeah. out within six weeks. And that that is quick. And today places like Shein and Timu, they can have those out within 
hours. Yeah, wow. And that's due to, um, you know, the technology being a lot better, you know, production being a lot faster, um, supply chains, you know, being a lot more um, fluid and, and, you know, they will often have uh, sort of vertical factories for um which basically means that they own everything they can Mm. control everything and they can distribute everything really easily and that means that you just have so much product so much of which might never be sold and i just feel that there has to be a tipping point and the tipping point you mean do you mean probably a couple of things ethically yeah perhaps but also just from a consumer point of view it's just they'll tire of it i don't know if consumers will tire of Mm. it but i think that at some point legislation will have to be enacted to put a stop to this, basically. And there's a bit of a flashpoint coming in 2024, isn't there? Because Sheehan is looking to list on the US Stock Exchange. Yes. With that comes a whole process of having to transparent about how things work and answer questions about how sustainable they are. These issues aren't going away. They're not going away. They're they're really trying to do some good PR at the moment. They've had a few uh, influencer trips where they've tried to show how fantastic their factories are and, you know, it's all about... Above board and everybody's very happy making very uh, happy. <laughs> yeah making jeans for four dollars uh, but yeah you're right with an IPO comes a lot of scrutiny yeah. and perhaps that will be a reckoning as well very interesting to look out for that one I don't know how to now ask the question of what the trends are in fashion that you think will last <laughs> like so I mean I'm going into we're, we're all going we're having a, we're having a break at the moment we're going shopping a little bit we might be looking to buy something lasting. What do we invest in? Um, people always ask me what trend is going to be big. And <laughs> of course they do. I bet it's, that, yeah. <laughs> it's really it is a really hard question to answer. A lot of a lot of the time I just say, please just buy what you love. Yeah. This goes to your recommendation that we'll get to later. Okay. And it's why I love it so much. But please just buy what you love. However, two trends that I'm seeing a lot of silver jewelry. Ah. Beautiful minimalist silver jewelry mm-hmm. for men and for women. Right. And the color red. Let's bring back red. It could mm-hmm. be a Taylor Swift thing. You know, she has yeah. her red lipstick. Um, and I think that another trend that will carry over from 2023 into this year is fan fashion. So dressing like a, a tribe of, you know, I, mm. I think we saw it with the Harry Styles concerts in 2023. People were wearing the feather boas mm-hmm. and the mm. cowboy hats. Taylor Swift obviously has things like friendship bracelets. You know, people are dressing like Beyonce at her concerts. As we get into the eras tour here, I think that we'll see that and I think that will continue. Carry over. There you go. Look out for that. Okay. Well, I like, I'm going to, should I dress up as a Swifty when I go to a concert? (laughs) Yes. I don't know. I would love to see that. I don't do dress ups. (laughs) <laughs> you can you just really wear don't. purple. She likes purple, apparently. What did you did you dress up as Robbie Williams when you went and saw him? <laughs> no, I didn't. I think I dragged myself off the couch <laughs> in my tracksuit pants. Well, I do have going out tracksuit pants, which well, are very stylish. It's perfectly Robbie acceptable. Would have liked that. I'm sure yeah. he would have been fine. He would have been fine with that. <laughs> um, so there's like I mean we've talked very much about the online world that we're in where we're shopping online and where you know this is looking at trends and looking at what's happening on Instagram and social media but the in-store experience is something that you flagged as something that will continue to be a factor in fashion. Are we talking about like the meccas of the world and that experience that people have when they go in store? I think mecca is 
truly best in class. World class, yeah. yeah. I could not agree more. It's uh, like ridiculous. Mecca was, it was such an aptly named store. Yeah, yeah. Um, what Joe Hawken, who was the, mm. the founder of Mecca, has done with that, um, she's completely changed retail in Australia. I don't think that's hyperbole to say that. You go past any of those stores at pretty much any time of the day and they are packed. Uh, it has a real party dynamic to it. But everyone's invited, everyone's included. Um, and, you know, anyone who makes it sort of reasonable to spend more than $100 on an item that we don't really need. I mean, that there's some magic there, you know. And, and it's so true. Every time I've been in, I've walked out with something that I'm like, oh, yeah. God. I'm- yeah. <laughs> I could count on one hand the number of times I've gone to a shopping mall this year. I just haven't done it like I used to do. Mm-hmm. But it's always to go to Mecca to go and <laughs> buy whatever the thing is that I need. And the thing I noticed so much, particularly towards the end of 2023, they have a ton of staff. They do. A ton really of staff. well staffed. It's, yeah. it's, it's such a great feature. Yeah. And they have a ton of staff who are always ready to help you. I once joked with Jo when I was interviewing her that my, I think my daughter then was nine years old and I said, you know, my daughter loves your store. And she said, oh, that's great. And I said, well, not really. She's nine. She doesn't have any money. <laughs> and she said, that's okay. One day she'll have money and she'll remember what it felt like to come in, have staff treat her kindly and with respect. And then she might spend some money with us. And I thought, that is so sage. So, so clever. So who else? Who else? Well, I think we're going to see a resurgence of the concept store. So stores that sell lots of things. Um, So not necessarily a department store. Smaller than that, um, you see them in the suburbs. And um, there's one in Melbourne called Grace Melbourne that's absolutely beautiful. Um, There's Actually, Melbourne does them really, really well. Mm. Sorry, Sydney. Um, There's (laughs) another one in um, Avalon called Peggy that's just beautiful. And it's this lovely curation of clothing, homewares, gifts, books. Some of them have, you know, little bits of, you know, pickles and sauces and lovely things like that. I think we're going to see a real resurgence of that because there is so much product on the market. It's really hard to cut through and see what is quality, what's not. Mm -hmm. And also just like, What's good, you know, what what do I want? There's so much out there. Having someone to edit it for you and curate it and say, oh, this is actually the best. Mm. It's funny because this is how we talk about media and this is how we talk about what we do. It's like there is so much information out there. You need a trusted source to go to. Yeah. And that would be your concept store in the case of fashion and homewares or whatever it might be. In the case of news, a lot of people come to us for that because it's just too overwhelming to get it from everywhere else. And I think um, certainly with streaming, there's going to be something where there's going to have to be someone that you go that to to tell you what to watch yeah. because it's the choice. That. Yeah. That so it's funny how the, that sort of theme goes through not just just not across media but into you're talking about it in fashion as well. Yeah, that's mm. such a good point. Um, I subscribe to a lot of fashion newsletters mm. and I noticed over Black Friday in 2023 that there was just this glut of um, shopping guides and affiliate so links much. and all of that sort of thing and it just became... Wasn't it crazy last year? It was just that it, swamp of emails. Yes, it, it felt very overwhelming, mm. I think. And so uh, even though they were curated guides, I... I you know, I kind of tuned out to a lot of it. Mm. I think we're so saturated by online shopping. It It is very easy, obviously, the convenience is there. But I think there will be a return to 
in-store shopping because it's getting better. Mm. The experience is getting so much better. It is. Yeah. And it's so, I mean, I know not everyone listening will agree, but it's so enjoyable to just cruise around and find the thing that you really love. Like nothing better. Isn't it great fun? I love it. And it's It's not enjoyable standing in the queue at Australia Post with another box of stuff (laughs) on returning. Exactly. That is not (laughs) correct. Because it doesn't fit or the colour's not what I thought it was online. Yeah. I I really hope like bring, yeah, look, Mm. campaign for the concept store, which I didn't even know was the phrase you used, but is exactly the right way to sum it up. Yeah. Yeah. You've got a recommendation for us, Kate. You just pointed to it before. Well, it's a. I wanted you to recommend your podcast that you told me about previously because I've started to have a listen to it, Articles of Interest. Articles of Interest is um, hosted by a woman called Avery Truffleman, um, which is just the best name it is, ever. It is, yeah. Um, and <laughs> she is really, really interesting. She casts, I wouldn't say an academic lens on fashion, but certainly a, a very thorough lens and – there was a, a, a sort of season, an arc that she did um, in 2023 about preppy clothing um, that was very, very popular and sort of catapulted the podcast into the stratosphere. Um, and that was very, very interesting. But she also looks at things like the history of mannequins. How did they come to be? Where do, where are they produced? You know, things <laughs> like that. It's really interesting. Because I always Because if you said away. to me like a podcast about fashion, you kind of – you kind of automatically think, no, I need to see it. Like I need to, I need the visual sure. element. But I went through the feed, okay, and I clicked on the how to dress episode, which I don't know if. Oh, you, that's a really good one. Oh, I cannot recommend it more highly for people who just want a useful tool to try and sort their wardrobe out. Yes. Um, she interviews someone who I wasn't familiar with, but you probably know who it was. She interviews the designer of um, a brand called Tibby. Um, yes. Whose mm-hmm. name is yeah. Amy Smilovic, and Amy is quite well known in fashion She's circles real, as yeah, yeah, someone with an amazing eye um, and someone who transformed her own brand. Her brand used to be very um, tie-dye, uh, print oh. heavy. Yes, okay. right. Well, it's now in the podcast she told me she you have to choose three adjectives for your style. Yes. And to guide your wardrobe. Yes. And I'm th- hers was modern, classic. Modern and classic I thought was and quite interesting. And comfortable or something, something like that. Something like that, yeah. And yeah. I was like, that's actually really helpful. Mm. And don't buy anything that doesn't fit, fit that those mold. three things. Correct. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, she has a lot of uh, rules for dressing, but yeah. they're very helpful rules. Well, she said they're guidelines. What? Yes. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. You heard me pause before I said rules. It wasn't the right word. <laughs> but, yes, guidelines for dressing. It's absolutely. a really – I mean, I'm going to listen to a few more episodes because it is a good recommendation. Um, very entertaining. Yes. The other thing that you were going to recommend was a documentary. Yes. Uh, there's a great documentary called Kingdom of Dreams. Uh, it's on Stan and it's, a, I think, a four-part series. Essentially, it's about um, a man named Bernard Arnault who is the chair and CEO of LVMH, which basically controls most oh, of fashion today. One uh, of the and richest he's one of, men in the world. Yes, yeah. he's one of the richest men in the world. And it's just a really interesting look at how he built that empire, um, the forces that were kind of behind it, his competition with another conglomerate of companies called Kering, um, which used to be called the Gucci Group. And it's just – it's a really interesting look, even if you're not interested in fashion but you, you know, are interested in the business world. I mean, my husband and I watch it together and he's not so interested in fashion but he found it – um, fascinating. So. Sounds great. Well, I think it's, what you've demonstrated here is just how, I mean, we all kind of know this, but fashion and business is just completely intertwined in every single way, of yeah. course. Yeah. Um, and retail is fun because it's what we want. And retail is 
fine. Claire always tells everyone retail. that retail is fun. It's so true. It's like an election. <laughs> it's it true. It's There's something like, yeah, you have to be chosen to Every, be successful. Everyone votes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, with their money. Exactly. That is exactly right. Lauren, thank you so much for joining us and for listening to The Squeeze Each and Every Day. I'm a huge fan. Thank you for having me. You can catch Lauren's work in the Australian Financial Review and also on Instagram at Lauren Sams. That's correct. There you go. We'll put a link in your episode notes. Looking forward to next week's episode of The Year Ahead. We chat with Helen McKay. She's a very good friend of ours, a very experienced journalist. She's worked for most of the big news organisations here in Australia. She used to be the editor of the Australian Women's Weekly. She's now the founder of Future Women. She, like us follows politics closely. So we asked her to think about her political news predictions for 2024. Specifically, we talked through new requirements for companies with over 100 employees to report their executive remuneration. That was a really insightful conversation about how it might assist with closing that gender pay gap. We also have a great discussion about her thoughts on journalism, how it's changed and the challenges. As I said, that's out next Thursday. We'll chat to you then.